the issue in New Jersey is very different than, I guess, international, where international, there's the simple fact that they don't have clean water. Here locally, they have water, but what's being provided into their homes isn't good to drink or could make someone definitely very young sick. Uh, and the case of Newark, New Jersey, where we, we will, where we will be primarily working, um, there's still a lot of lead issues entering the people's drinking water source. The pipes in the city of Newark have been changed, but in the older homes, not yet. So we are creating kind of these portable water filter systems in partnership with other organizations um, that can be employed pretty much anywhere. Anyone can build one uh, and can be used pretty much anywhere throughout the entire cities. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fragnito, and you are listening to the podcast that talks about real estate and all the intricate details of how people passively and actively invest in real estate to make it work. We have guests on our show. We have different topics that sometimes I talk very in-depth about <laughs> as your host, Aaron Fragnito of the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. And we have an amazing guest today, James Leitner with Mission Clean Water. James, how are we doing today? I'm doing very well, Aaron. Thank you uh, so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, James, uh, we had met actually the Rotary Club, I think it's Scotch Plains, New Jersey, uh, probably three, four years ago, uh, and a great Rotary Club there. That They are a ton of fun. I'll tell you, if you're looking for a fun Rotary, check out Scotch Plains mm -hmm. there. And uh, but we had some good times there and you uh, put on a very impressive presentation um, and you were an even younger man then. And I was <laughs> what you had accomplished. And uh, so very exciting mission you have here. What does Mission Clean Water uh, hope to accomplish? What are you accomplishing? Sure. And so Mission Clean Water, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization working to provide people with clean, accessible drinking water, as well as proper sanitation. And so when we talked previously, most of our work was international in Uganda, which still is, but uh, for 2022, we were beginning to do some domestic clean water efforts as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. When you did your presentation, I was amazed at what you had done to spark a uh, focus on, you know, get, get yeah. attention to the topic, right? Because I think one of the hardest things, parts of nonprofits is to get on the big screen, you know, like St. Sure. Jude does at all the football games, right? So how, you know, getting there. And I was amazed at what you had done to um, get notoriety and, and uh, talk about that, how you, you what you had done there. I, so Gain notoriety is definitely challenging as a small nonprofit organization, um, definitely trying to grow, which is similar to any small business trying to make the next steps forward. Um, I think what assisted with my notoriety is I have always wanted to be an organization that, you know, experiences steps one until the very end. So I think people recognize the importance of being a part of the entire process, uh, as well as kind of just the simple notoriety of people knowing that clean water has been a significant interest for me for forever, pretty much. It's what I kind of tailored my college uh, experience and degrees and majors for, uh, as well as I think people also recognize that going the nonprofit entrepreneurial route is unorthodox and not expected. So I think, like you said, we met three or four years ago, still here working hard on the nonprofit efforts and going forward, people recognize like, all right, this is a grind going forward. 
He's consistently working more than a full-time work environment towards it. He's serious about it. And as a result, individuals like Rotary, as you said before, in Scotch Plains or businesses and community members like, all right, he's serious about this. Let's see how we can help out and help this individual as well as this nonprofit grow to where they want to be. Yeah, it was incredible. And then I um, had donated because I was so inspired by your cause. And then Mission Clean Water, once they get those, uh, accept those donations, what do you go ahead and, and do uh, primarily with those uh, donations? Sure. So um, like, at least for specifically when you donated at the time, most of our efforts were specifically in Uganda, which is in the continent of Africa. Uh, Mission Clean Water kind of focuses around the idea that clean water is not a new issue, but 60% of all clean water projects fail within their first year of operation. So Mission Clean Water tries to create new approaches towards clean water efforts. And so specifically with your donation, as well as for if someone donates today, a lot of those efforts are created uh, to focus on community-based clean water projects. So, you know, taking a community like, for example, Berkeley Heights or Scotch Plains, like a town level, and figuring out what could be the best clean water solution for them, whether rainwater collection, groundwater exploration, or protecting a local spring for natural water um, safety, and then using it to distribute clean water throughout the entire community. So for example, for your donation, um, that was specifically for a community-based clean water project that has provided clean water to about 3,500 people. Then we've done other projects specifically for schools, um, even larger communities like hospitals as well. So a little bit of everything. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I, I just find it so cool how you go to a different country. First of all, you raise capital, which I know is hard to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, get in front of people, have a nice presentation. I remember you had UPS as a sponsor, which was very yeah. impressive. Um, and actually, well, before I go to my next question, how did you get UPS sponsor <laughs> out of the gate? That was impressive. That's a Fortune 500 company. That was, um, you know, similar to how we mentioned before, when community members see that you're serious, they're like, all right, let's try and help out as much as we can. And for myself, growing up in Scotch Plains, you know, we, I'm fortunate to live in a connected community. So when people kind of saw what I was doing, they're like, all right, I know someone in this company. Let me see how I can help out. And I've used my abilities as kind of an endurance athlete to fundraise for Mission Clean Water. And so UPS found, uh, I guess, myself when I was walking across the United States to symbolize the journey someone goes through in a year to get water for their families. And UPS was like, this is extremely cool. This is something that we can kind of align with and try and help out with. And um, it was history ever since then. And during that cross-country walk, they came out twice to get some footage, do some meets and greets, and uh, see how they could uh, really help, I guess, further the mission and everything forward. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. I love what you had done there. And um, so at that point now, my, my main question here was I was getting to was um, you are essentially uh, doing real estate development in a sense in a foreign country. You know, I have yeah. a hard enough time doing it in Newark, New Jersey. Or, yeah. you know, uh, so I, how, how do you even start with that? Going to a, sure. a third world country and, and doing a, a project there, moving the capital over. I know there's a process of yeah. moving over the capital, going there yourself. It's a dangerous thing. Um you know, there might be people there with bad intentions that know you uh, are worth money and could be kidnapped or something. How, how do you even go about doing this? 
Sure. Uh, there definitely are challenges and it's definitely uh, very different. And, you know, in the end with our projects, it's an infrastructure project. You know, we're putting specific things in place that need to be managed and taken care of and looked over. Similar to a you know real estate project, you need people to make sure your building's not going to fall apart or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there definitely are challenges associated with it because in the end, I'm from the United States. I am not from Uganda or with, from these communities itself. So even though I know a lot about clean water issues, I never consider myself an expert because I specifically have never worked or dealt with these communities before. So I'm fortunate to have a team in Uganda that before we begin, before we began doing work in that specific country, we kind of already had this team pre-created of people that just kind of reached out to us that had the right qualifications that are kind of the experts on the ground, people we can talk to every single day, keeping in mind the time differences to just make sure our efforts are being completed to how we want to. So our specific sustainability goals as well as your donations are going into the right places and everything. And there is a lot that is involved when it comes to organizing the right trusted contractors, finding the right local labor to have better local investment, uh, and just kind of keeping things on tabs, considering the fact that, you know, I'm a 22 plus hour plane right away. Uh, and I guess pre-COVID, I was visiting Uganda, I would say once every four months or so. Since then, it's been a little bit more challenging, but I would also say since then as well, we have a much more high quality as well as full-time staff in Uganda that we fully trust to just make sure our efforts are continuing as well as your donations are being put to their maximum, I guess, investment or full use. All right. So that's really interesting. And that brings me to my next question. So you're running a nonprofit here. Uh, I run a for-profit business. And, and, you know, I'd say at the end of the day, a lot of the decisions we have to make are probably the same. How do we yeah. get the most out of the money coming into the company so that we can, A, keep our company afloat, make sure we're there tomorrow, B, service our investors that have expectations, and C, just make sure that, you know, all throughout these decisions we're making, our mission is focused, you know, we are staying on, on task here. Um, how do you balance those things running a nonprofit? Yeah, that's definitely a unique part. And you said it perfectly, you know, in the end, a nonprofit is still a business. We need to operate and function just like how any other business will. The biggest difference mainly is that when someone interacts with a for-profit company or for-profit business, they're expecting a good or service in return. Well, for a nonprofit organization, there's kind of the assumption that we are moving, you're donating, not necessarily getting something back in return besides kind of the social good of doing something positive. Um, you're expecting us to kind of follow through with our mission. So a lot of what a nonprofit does have to complete is a combination of what all businesses do with marketing, um, business management structure, fundraising, or I guess business development uh, and kind of outreach to so people know that we're there. But a lot of it is also kind of on the storytelling elements where we need to make sure that we are sharing with yourself the impact that you're making, considering the fact that where your donation is going, at least as of right now, is international. Compared to domestic nonprofit organizations, you are able, so if you donate to example for Habitat for Humanity, if you really wanted to, you could drive there and see the impact that they're making. 
-hmm. compared to an international nonprofit, it's a little more distant. So you're kind of relying on our ability to storytell, to share your impact that you're making, to hopefully improve kind of our donor retention rate or to kind of have a repeat customer pretty much, as well as for a nonprofit organization, for a for-profit company, you know, you guys are able to kind of keep everything that people give to you um, based on your overall mission and expectations. While for a nonprofit, if someone gives us $100, for example, you know, there's kind of the expectation that a majority of it is going towards the overall mission, while a smaller percentage is going towards kind of those admin costs. And every nonprofit organization has their own balance of what that you know, percentage difference might look like. So, you know, in the end, we're kind of relying on doing all the aspects that businesses have to do while really enhancing that storytelling. And I guess I'm also fortunate enough to have volunteers and board of director members that are the accountants, the marketers, the lawyers, and other individuals that are really willing to volunteer their time to make sure we're kind of hitting all those avenues a business might have to kind of consistently uh, stay involved with. Sure. Any entrepreneur, you're juggling a million things in a day, it sounds like. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's even harder because, um, you know, as a 501c3, you, you have certain uh, responsibilities probably to report yeah. uh, annually right back to your investors and back to the IRS. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's interesting. And, uh, you know, same, same with us. We have SEC regulations on what I can and can't say. Uh, with updates to investors or on the internet when I'm explaining our business model, you know. Yep. Uh, so, yep, absolutely. We have to navigate all that red tape in the same time, um, you know, keep uh, keep our mission focused as well. And uh, I love what you guys do. And I really, uh, you know, there. My, my final question here. So there's other nonprofits out there. You know, I've always been a big fan of like World Vision and, you know, boy, it's such a competitive space. You know, it really is. And um so like, I guess what inspired you to start your own nonprofit and not like team up with a more existing, you know, try to get a, a job at, non, uh, at World Vision, for example, or something like that? You know? Sure. That, that's an excellent question. And it is interesting once you get involved in the nonprofit world, once there's kind of the realization of how competitive it actually is, because we're all, we all kind of have the same mission. We're all trying to benefit people without clean water or proper sanitation or homeless issues so on and so be it um but there's kind of this back and forth of like i want to help more people no i want to help more people it's really fascinating at times um but the reason mission clean water was really created was because after i completed that cross-country walk there was kind of the question of what's next and uh it was, the, it was the decision of, do I just kind of propose another crazy endurance challenge and submit the idea to an organization like World Vision and let them use their marketing and advertising capacity to use me as like a vessel for fundraising pretty much, right. um, or kind of go the own route of creating my own full organization and seeing the entire process from start to finish. And there was kind of the realization that if I'm just fundraising and being kind of the first step of the entire process, I wouldn't feel as fulfilled as if I was able to be fully involved with the, I guess, entire process. So that's kind of how Mission Clean Water started. But then also I, before, I guess, Mission Clean Water and when in college and a little bit afterwards, I've been involved in the clean water world for some time and learned just how many challenges there are in the nonprofit world, as well as, um, I guess, the 
improper management of clean water projects and the unfortunate failed results of some, and just wanted to try and see if there's new ways of approaching it and to kind of create new management structures that are open source that all nonprofits can use and create so we all can have better success and to kind of create a better collaborative environment. Uh, also, I wanted to see what you're starting now is to try and create ways. There's clean water issues here in the United States as well. So there was the hopeful plans for Mission Clean Water to begin clean water projects here locally, which in 2022, we are starting now, which I'm happy to kind of branch off of and focus right here in New Jersey as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. That was my next question. What are you guys working on right now? What's your vision for 2022? You want to break into that a little bit more? Sure, definitely. So for 2022, we're still kind of planning our clean water efforts over in Uganda. We're very happy and very fortunate to have a full-time staff and efforts there of people from Uganda uh, that can kind of continue our clean water efforts there locally. So in terms of that, we're working on three specific projects for 2022 that um, works at the community level, works with schools, as well as provide clean water to an entire hospital. Hard to imagine a hospital without clean water. And then it's crazy. And then we're also beginning our efforts here domestically in New Jersey because the issue in New Jersey is very different than, I guess, international, where international is the simple fact that they don't have clean water. Here locally, they have water, but what's being provided into their homes isn't good to drink or could make someone definitely very young sick. Uh, and the case of Newark, New Jersey, where we, we will, where we, we will be primarily working, um, there's still a lot of lead issues entering the people's drinking water source. Mm-hmm. The pipes in the city of Newark have been changed, but in the older homes, not yet. So we are creating kind of these portable water filter systems in partnership with other organizations um, that can be employed pretty much anywhere. Anyone can build one. Uh, and can be used pretty much anywhere throughout the entire city. So as of right now, there's already three of these systems in action, and there's the plans to kind of double that. But then we'll be also be working in Patterson and hopefully Irvington as well. Patterson's a different scenario, where in Patterson, um, after Hurricane Ida, their city water wasn't safe to drink for up to six weeks after the storm. So they're looking at kind of using this water box system as a way of combating disaster relief and having it in kind of emergency situations, considering when being told to rely on bottled water for six weeks and you are, you know, you're not on the highest in the income scale can be very challenging over time because not only using it for drinking water, but also washing, cleaning, bathing, and so on. Mm-hmm. Now that's, I, I know that uh, Hurricane Ida really nailed Patterson. We had some challenges there with a few of our uh, properties and yeah. um, obviously Newark's been more in the news about the drinking water issue there. Sure. And it's just amazing uh, what you're doing now. Is this uh, going to be offered more at the faucet in everyone's kitchen or is this uh, at the uh, city level, like at the water plant? Sure. So I can kind of explain to you the three current projects that we have. Um, so right now, I guess it's best to say they're kind of being managed by the community. So for example, one of these water boxes, you know, you have all the filters attached to it and it has wheels, so it's portable, Mm -hmm. but the system itself is at a kind of central church around kind of one of the main areas of Newark for their specific service area. And community members can come to that specific church, turn on the system and collect water that way. And they're able to pretty much fill up their, you know, weekly water use in the span of only a few minutes. And 
those systems get about 5,000 daily users. Uh, and it's really nice because all you do is attach it to a faucet or to a water source and out the other end comes clean water and there you go. Mm -hmm. Now we look at these systems as kind of a temporary solution until something much greater can be created where we can you know, find a solution or the city can find a solution to ensure that people can turn on their faucets right at home and have clean water. Uh, and then I guess once that permanent solution is put into action, we can kind of begin to figure out, all right, who else needs these water boxes? Where can we move them to and kind of continue forward? So there you go. You're really helping out the community. That's that's awesome. I love to hear what you got, what you're doing. Mission Clean Water here. Really amazing stuff. So how can people donate? How can they learn more about your cause and get in touch with you? Sure. So some of the best ways is to simply visit our website. So it's missioncleanwater.org. Um, or if anyone wants to directly contact me with questions, I'm simply just james at missioncleanwater.org for my email. Uh, you know, we once March kind of comes around, we do host local trail races and fundraisers and events, which all can be kind of found on our website. For anyone kind of in the Union, Somerset, uh, County, Berkeley Heights area as well. Uh, so there's definitely tons of events going on. Anyone is welcome to kind of directly contact me and uh, look forward to any messages or questions people might have. Thank you, James. And that's why I wanted to have you on because you are very local to Berkeley Heights, yeah. this uh, Union County area. That's where you specialize in, in doing a lot of your fundraisers and events. And I love what you do for your events. I've seen you running around carrying the water packs. That's one of your uh, popular ones. I love when you're like, I'm going to run for 24 hours through the park. Uh, Berkeley Heights yeah. And and <laughs> that was right. We didn't do a 24 hour run in Berkeley Heights. Yeah, I remember that. That was exhausting. So this year, because we're beginning kind of domestic clean water work, um, starting June 1st, I'm just, just running. So no carrying water. I'm going to be running uh, 52 marathons for 52 days in a row. Um, all kind of local in the Scotch Plains, Berkeley Heights area. Okay. Uh, to kind of symbolize the clean water issues, the 50, 50 states experience, including Puerto Rico, as well as D.C. And the overall plan is there'd be kind of like five locations I run at. And at the end of those five days, it'll reset. So, for example, you know, Scotch Plains, Westfield, Berkeley Heights, New Providence, Summit, and then back to the top, Scotch Plains, Westfield, and so on. Just to make it easier for people to come join me. And if, for example, you guys are like, hey, I got an hour lunch break and James is a few minutes away. Let's... Uh, Go walk with him for a mile or something like that, just to kind of keep uh, the community aspects continually there. Okay, wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. So no water pack on you this time, because for our listeners, James usually wears like a fifty-pound water pack. I think it depends on. on yeah. What, what, it was a how how big a water pack did you? One time you had like a trailer you were pulling across across the country, right? Yeah, so for that cross-country walk specifically, um, attached to my waist was 10 gallons of water that I didn't drink from because it was meant to symbolize what a family goes to to get water for everyone because right. five gallons is enough for one person a day for all their water needs. So 10 gallons was enough to kind of symbolize a family. And usually every year, I kind of switch between something that's strength endurance focused versus like running focused. So this year is very just running focused and being out there for a very long time. Last year and the year that you're also talking about, it was more about the symbolism behind carrying water. The so last year, just in hand, I carried 45 pounds of water um, for a marathon a day for 14 days. Uh, <laughs> kind of just, you know, experience something a little bit different, but kind of also just kind of create that 
symbolic image of carrying water, the fatigue that's put inside it, minus just, you know, running all day. So it was meant to be kind of a little further symbolic meaning behind everything. That must be an incredible workout. Uh, you must be ripped after that. I, you know, I, I'm described as very lean, but, but definitely, definitely so. It's very interesting, mainly because like, depending on what I am training for, my body is definitely constantly changing. So for example, for that event, I was definitely much stronger, much more upper body heavy. This year, because it's so running oriented, I've definitely cut down on that weight just to kind of be able to carry myself for six hours a day, nonstop or for a marathon a day. So it all depends on what I'm training for and kind of how my body chooses to fluctuate. But nutrition has been extremely important. You know, I feel like we should have started the podcast with like, here's a guy who ran uh, 52 marathons in 52 days, or he carries 45 pounds in each hand and runs a marathon like every Wednesday he wants, you know crazy stuff man. i know i'm mixing up a couple different stories there but oh, just, you're good <laughs> we'll do really, we'll, we'll do a post podcast once uh, those 52 marathons are done there you go there you go i love falling i love what you're doing and what's your website one more time so the website is simply missioncleanwater.org excellent excellent thank you so much for coming on james and thank you to our listeners for enjoying this podcast hopefully you enjoyed a little bit of a change of topic here talking about the nonprofit side of uh, of business i think james it was amazing how you gave us an insight into running a nonprofit and the entrepreneurial side of it and the passion you have to show every single day for this and yeah. at the end here now explaining to our listeners about how you run uh, uh what is it how long is a marathon again a 20 26.2 miles 26.2 miles now i did a half marathon twice uh i, I i'm gonna say that counts as a full marathon what do you we'll think? give it to you yeah i'll, I'll get you a medal <laughs> okay, thank you that's all i want is a medal that's all there I want. You go. Hand out. no amazing so uh excellent excellent story i love what you guys are doing here at mission clean water go to missioncleanwater.org to learn more and make a donation to what james is, is doing here and check out his runs check out his events in uh, berkeley heights and scotch plains all over union county and uh, yeah. essex county you're, you're active as well so very local here local nonprofit. and of course if you're in berkeley heights uh, visit us at people's capital group as well we're uh, over there next to the traffic rock brewery you could uh, come by and actually you'll need an appointment but we uh, help people of course <laughs> passively invest in real estate throughout north jersey and we've been doing this for about 10 years now people's capital group so you can go to peoplescapitalgroup.com you can learn more there about how we focus on the north jersey marketing and how we help people that maybe are not invested in real estate learn more about how to get invested how we execute our buy renovate reposition strategy and how those passive investors build wealth over time and earn cash flow you can learn more about that on our other episodes of the passive cash flow podcast and you can get more information at peoplescapitalgroup.com thank you so much james for joining us and thank you to our listeners as well Thank you.